it's easy for her to say she's sitting in the back of the church tonight, but she's, I, I think about David going from a shepherd's field, and I know that he had fought a bear. I know that he had fought a lion. I know that he had killed Goliath at this point. I know that he had done a lot of great things, but in my mind, he's still a shepherd boy. He's still, he's still just a shepherd. Now he's facing a king. He's, he's running for his life at times, Brother Allen, and he's, he's, he's searching for God's will. God's beginning to anoint him in the crowd. The shift, the momentum has begun to change. You can, tell, you can tell the instance in a ball game when the momentum, Brother Jeremy, begins to shift, and the momentum is shifting towards David. But I guarantee you there's still some sleepless nights in David's life. There's still some times that he lies awake wondering, what am I doing or what am I going to do or am I doing this right or am I going to be able to overtake Saul or is he coming for me tonight? But every once in a while he'd hear the sword come by of a mighty man of David. He'd hear a sword come by or a spear. He'd see one of these men walk by him and he knew that he, Brother Travis, he wouldn't by himself. And I tell you, I want the Lord to know first and foremost tonight that I'm on his side, that I'm a mighty man, that I, that I want to be in his camp, that I want to be on his side, but I want my pastor to know the same thing. I want the men of our church to know the same thing, that I have a desire to be a mighty man of God. I think about our young boys, and I know a lot of you over here, I know I'm a little bit more intimate with some that, that Jeremy and, and, and those that I've been around more in my life that's an, as a part of my life every day, or, 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 or Kaylin or Carson or, 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 or Savannah or, or Brother Evan or Miss Caitlin and Kylie and those that I've got to see grow up and had the opportunity to become friends with, but also to help to, in, in a small way to help, to help our pastor pastor you and what God's done in your life. And I've seen that. And can I tell you, man, I'm, I'm thankful that many of you are going to be great businessmen, Brother Robbie. Many of you are going to be great lawyers and, and doctors and, and, and whatever else you want to be tax collectors, Lord help you, or whatever God has for your life. But more than anything, you say, Brother Brandon, if I don't achieve a doctorate, if I don't achieve a master's, if I don't achieve $100,000 a year, if I don't achieve anything else, am I, am I going to let you down? Can I tell you, if you'll just serve God, be a mighty man of God, be a mighty lady of God, you'll never lower yourself in my eyes. It's not measured by that. This church is not holding you to a standard that when you come home from college that you've got to have a doctorate or you've got to be driving a, a Lincoln or a Ford or a Chevrolet or anything else. You just go with God and let God have your life. And this church will always have your back. Man, I want to be a mighty man of God. In 2 Samuel chapter number 23, look at verse number 9 tonight. These verses, we, as we enter into, let's read them tonight. Then I'll give you what we got, God's given us tonight. And after him, verse number 9 of 2 Samuel chapter 23, here we're talking again about David's mighty men. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aholite. I wouldn't want to be the son of Dodo, but I, I, I am thankful that he's in there. But this is just what the, the father of, the, of him is. One of the three mighty men of David, when, the, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, the men of Israel were gone away. He rose, talking about Eleazar here in verse number 10. He arose and he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. We learned Sunday night about Shammah, which is in the following verses, and how Shammah stood there in that lentil patch or that pea patch. And he stood in the middle for everyone to see. He stood and said, listen, I'm standing in spite of everything. But the man right before him, Eleazar, he'd done more than just stand there. And I know Shammah stood and defeated him as well. I know he see the spear of Adullah and all the thing else above, above this. But Eleazar, his weapon of choice that night or that day was a sword. The Bible said he fought so hard, Brother Evan, and he fought so long that that sword clave to his hand. I don't have a sword tonight, and I'm not going to use this the whole service, but I have something that's special to me. And I got this, I was 16 or 17 years old, 
I got to go to Brother Allen, the Dominican. Actually, this church helped me and my dad go to the Dominican Republic for two weeks. While I was there, I had to buy this because everybody else was buying one as well. But this machete is not a sword, but it's the closest thing I got tonight. And it is sharp, and I'm not going to throw it at you. And if it falls apart, I apologize. But tonight I thought about this journey as I could think of this man. I sit there last night and my study, and this was here, but I could imagine myself as I got here tonight and I got this off the shelf back there right next to the cat of nine tails that Brother Wayne built for me. And you'd be glad I didn't bring them out here tonight. But I'm just saying, as he fought, I could almost imagine him, him gripping that sword so tight, Brother Travis, that when he got done fighting, he wanted to let go. He wished he could let go. But they wouldn't, he couldn't let go. His muscles had formed. It clave. It became part of his body. You could say this. He fought so hard in the battle that the battle actually became part of him. Now, I'm not going to throw this at you tonight, but I mean, I can imagine. I've never really held anything that long or a shovel to that extent to where it really gripped into my hand. But I have picked up heavy furniture before. I mean, we moved in our house. Carson was there that night. Devin was too, but Devin didn't do anything. But, but Carson was there that night. We moved that desk, and it felt like a coffin full of dead people. That guy from up at Mountain City built my desk, and we started carrying it in. When I got it in the house, I wanted to let go of the desk. I wanted to sit down. My back hurt. We laid in the floor for 30 minutes. We got it in the house, and I couldn't open my hands. You ever picked up something maybe that was sharp or something, and when you got to where it was, you could see the indentions in your hands, and, and it was so hard to let go of it because it was so heavy. It became part of my body almost. Eleazar in this text tonight, the Bible says that he slew the Philistines. Notice again in your Bible, everybody else has ran. This mighty man of David stood there and he said, I'm not moving. I'm not wavering. I almost like David see everybody running past him and retreating. And I wonder if David yelled, brother man, I don't know. I'm just imagining if he yelled, hey, is anybody going to stay? Is anybody going to stand up? Is anybody here? I can see Eleazar walking against the crowd tonight, Tonner, and he has his sword in his hand. He draws it out. He says, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to fight until. I want to preach just for a second tonight on that thought. Fight until. But I want you to get this image in your mind tonight. It'll help you a whole lot. And I learn better by visual. So I want you to, to get this tonight. Not that I'm fearing or I'm going to stab you or cut you. I'm not planning on letting this go. And if I do, the church has got insurance, Brother James. So it'll be all right. I think we got insurance tonight. But I began to think about this and holding this, and I, I can grip it as tight as I want to grip it, and no doubt the adrenaline running through his body that night, Jeremy, and he just he didn't realize how tight he was gripping it. He, he probably didn't count how many he was killing. No doubt there was an account in the scriptures here of the, of the, of the number that they killed, but all I knew was he sat down in the middle of that battle with a mat, and he said, I'm not stopping, I'm not quitting until this thing's over. Give him the victory. And how can one man say, well, the Brandon, that's got to be a, mathematical, it's, it's got to be something false, just made in the Bible to make it sound better. No, it really happened. I think about Samson and, and killing all those enemies there with the jawbone of a donkey. I think about all the odds against him. How can one man spend 40 days and 40 nights, or, or how can it rain 40 days and 40 nights, and a, a man sustain all the animals of the earth on a, a two-by-two, and how can a man spend three days and three nights in the belly of a whale? I can't explain it, but believe it, I do, because it's in the Scriptures. The Bible says this man fought with a mat so intensely and so hard and so, and, so, and, and so forced that when he got done, the Bible says, I'm not making it up, look at your scripture. The Bible says in verse number 10 that it clave into his hand. He couldn't let go of it. I want to be a mighty man of God. When everyone else stood, Brother Travis, he stayed. When everybody else ran, he stayed. He said, Brother Brandon, what do you mean by that? 2 Samuel chapter number 23 reminds me tonight, Brother Evan, by way of introduction, it reminds me of a saying that's 
told by a mariner. And I'm not a mariner. I went out deep sea fishing one time, and I don't want to go again. I might go shallow fishing where y'all go, but I'm listening. 50 miles out eating Bojangles biscuits with Dramamine inside of me and Mexican on my stomach from the night before. Y'all can imagine, I don't have to go into great detail, but it did not end well for me. I was ready to get home. I was sick. But a mariner makes this statement. I actually looked up and I could tell you, if I were to ask you what's the most famous ship that's ever sank in the ocean, most of you would say the Titanic. Great. Y'all been listening to school. Y'all must go to Forbush. No, I'm just kidding. But that's exactly right. The Titanic. And I began to look up the story there of that captain. But more importantly, not just that ship, but I began to look back and there is a tradition, Brother Wayne, and I'm not in the Navy and I'm not a captain. Many of you may have been, and I thank you for your service. But a tradition states that a sea captain goes down with his ship. There have been many accounts of the, 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 the captain of the Titanic taking his own life that night. And, but there's one account of a man saying he's watching in there as that ship's going down in that icy Atlantic Ocean that they watched him by himself walk back into the bridge or the, the, the captain's quarter, so to speak, just to go down with the ship. I wasn't there that night. I don't know. I hope that he was a safe man. I don't know if he took his own life by weapon. I don't know if he froze to death in the ocean. But the stories say, Miss Janet, and, and tradition shows that a captain goes down with his ship. You see, a captain many times holds the ultimate responsibility, Brother Allen, of both their ship and everyone that is embarked on it. And in case of emergency, they will either save those on board, notice this, or they'll die trying. You see, the captain many times holds that responsibility, and that responsibility is so dear to him. Can I tell you tonight, you say, Brother Brandon, what's that got to do with anything in my Christian life? Can I tell you tonight, and you take this as you want to, but it blessed me last night. I'm so thankful for a captain who gave his only life on Calvary's Hill to make sure that I had a way to escape. You see, he didn't have to come. It wasn't his place. The captain, no doubt, has the, the nicest lifeboat. He has the quickest access. He knows what's coming. He could have quickly seen that iceberg, and before all the panic happened, Brother Evan, he could have ran down, got on a lifeboat, got down, and got out of there because he has the best view of the whole boat. But instead of doing that, he began to sound the alarm, and he began to sound the alarm, and he began to warn, and he began to help, and he began to pass out blankets, and he began to lower lifeboats, and he began to say women and children first, and, and then the men get in, and as that boat's going down, and everybody that can get off has gone off. He knows that all hope is lost for the rest. He's done everything he can do. He's begged, and he's pleaded. He goes back into that bridge, and he sinks with the ship. He gives his life, saving others. And I tell you, you say, Brother Brandon, I don't know much about this man by the name of Jesus. He was a picture of him down through this church. And I can I tell you, I know that's just a picture. That's not what it looked like when he was on the cross. And he was beaten beyond recognition. But he done that for people that had never, ever met him physically. I've never met him tonight, Brother Travis. I've never sat down with him at lunch. I've never, I've never walked with him necessarily physically. But know him I do. And I know him because he gave his life many years ago. You say, Brother Brandon, nobody's ever done anything like that for me. You're exactly right. But Jesus Christ, many years ago, no matter who today in this life loves you, though this church loves you, though these adults love you, though these people in this church love you, our pastor loves you, and I love you, there ain't nobody that can love you like Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Brandon, I'm going to grow up my whole life, and I've got nobody to depend on. I've got nobody that loves me. I've got nobody that believes in me. Can I tell you, the same one they were singing about a while ago, he saved me at eight years old, and I'm not the last one to get in. It wasn't because I was a Jones. It wasn't because we had a lot of money. It wasn't because I had a big house. It was simply because I trusted him. And I'm thankful tonight. This, this text reminds me of a, a mariner's story. I think about this man by the name of Eleazar. He said, listen, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to go down with it. And I believe with all my heart, the more people came, the tighter he gripped. 
The more people that charged, the tighter he gripped. The more people that yelled in the north, the more outnumbered that he was, the tighter he gripped. They probably more than likely, if they were smart, the enemy surrounded him. He just stood right in the middle of that battle, and he began to swing that sword, and God gave him the strength. When he got done by the heaven, he fought so hard that he couldn't let go of it. I want to preach this for a second out of verse number 9 and verse number 10 on that thought. Fight until. Brother Brandon, what do you mean fight until? Verse number 10, as I've said before, Eleazar fought to the point that the sword clave into his hand. And I believe he wanted to lay it down. I believe when he got done, it's almost like a, a glue trap sometimes for a better illustration. You want to get it off of you or, or tar or whatever it may be on a house or a foundation. And you're, you're trying your best to get it off. I believe with all my heart when he got done, he was tired. The Bible said he was a man. He was a mighty man, but he was still a man. I believe with all my heart he was, he was weary. And once that adrenaline wore off, no doubt he was tired. He may have had a headache. No doubt his body was cut up. And I didn't, the Bible didn't say that he won the battle without any marks. I guarantee you he looked like he'd been to war because he was a man of war and I believe with all my heart brother Matt that he wanted to sit down and drink some water he wanted to let go of the sword but the Bible said it was clave to his hand it was that important to him that he didn't even realize he was fighting that hard in his life fighting for his life literally I believe he wanted to lay it down but he couldn't his hand was formed to his weapon he was so focused on winning the battle that the battle became part of him Say, Brother Brandon, what do you mean fighting until? Can I tell you tonight quickly, there's some areas in our life, church, young people, and I ask you to be here tonight for a reason, not because I'm special, but because I believe with all my heart that God's laid this message on my, on my heart tonight in this text for such a time as this. And I love all our teachers, and I appreciate you being kind enough to come here tonight, but I want to remind you, there's some areas in our life that we ought to be able to, willing to fight until. Fight until what, Brother Brandon? When can I stop? How did he know? Brother Kevin, how did he know when to stop? I, I tell you how he knew when to stop. He stopped when the battle was over. He stopped when the victory was won. Had he stopped one person before the victory was won, Brother Evan, that person could have took his life. And if he killed 800, 799, doesn't matter. It was the one that took him. But he fought all the way till the end, Brother James. And when he looked around, there was nobody else to fight. He knew that he could try to let go of the sword, even though he couldn't. He knew that he could stop. Brother Brandon, what should we fight until? Can I tell you, number one, first of all, can we fight? We ought to fight until they come. Brother Brandon, what are you talking about? Who are we looking for? i tell you who I'm looking for tonight, Brother Dalton. It's become part of my, my prayer this week like never before. And maybe I'm just the one that God needed to dump this on, but I thought about, first of all, Brother Matt, we need to fight until they come. I said, Brother Brandon, who are you talking about? Every one of these young persons sitting up here today, many men and women in this church, you come tonight and you come all by yourself. Nobody came with you. Your mama's not here. Your daddy's not here. Your grandma's not here. Your grandpa's not here. Your husband's not here. Your wife's not here. And they may be working, and I'm not preaching down about that. But can I tell you what I want you to know? We're going to fight this church until they come. We're going to keep fighting, Brother Evan, until they come. Well, Brother Brandon, if they come, there won't be no need for vans. There'll be more kids. There'll be more kids. You know how excited it would be? The earliest memory I've got in Malachi of my life is growing up at Liberty Baptist Church, Miss Betty teaching me, Brother Marvin preaching. I remember missing him playing and singing. I remember all the weathermen singing. I remember everything, Brother Jimmy getting up, leading the, the music. I remember all of that from my childhood. But I also remember what it was like, Brother Matt, to lay my head down in my mom's lap on a church pew. Lay my head down in my grandma's lap on a church pew. I'm not going to tell you I didn't ever go to sleep because sometimes that was the best part of church. No, I'm just kidding, but... I went to sleep a lot of times, but 
I remember very vividly my highlight of my, my service before I got saved and before I kind of got spiritual, or at least that's what I'm admitting. And Brother Marvin would dismiss church, and right outside Liberty, I think they've tore it down now due to parking and remodeling. There would be a big tree right outside of Liberty. And the highlight of my Sunday, and you all think, I mean, y'all are country folks, when he said amen, all the kids ran to that tree. And for some reason, we just keep running around that tree every Sunday, running around that tree. We weren't going nowhere. We just run around that tree. You say, Brother Brandon, that tree don't mean anything to you. I was there not long ago for Todd's funeral. When I pulled in that parking lot, I remember where that tree was standing. I began to think about this message tonight. You know what? I'm thankful that my mom and daddy took me to church. I'm thankful, Brother Allen, that they stood by me. Whether I wanted to go or not, they took me to church. But some of you sit here tonight and say, Brother Brandon, I don't have that story. Well, I, don't, I know you may not have that story, but I'm, very, I'm agreeing with you that we're going to grip down. We're going to fight until we see it happen. Brother Brandon, I've been praying for my husband to come to this church for 40 years. I think about, I think about all the others in the church. I think about Brother Grady, and, and I don't keep going back to that. I'm talking about years and years and years of praying, and then God answers it. Brother Brandon, how long are we going to fight? We're going to fight till we see him come. We're going to fight till we see him come. Brother Brandon, i got family that's never come. This person will never come to this church. I, I come by myself, and I, listen, I, I commend you for coming. If you come here for 40 years, your mom and dad never come. They never darken the church door except for at plays and at Easter and at Christmas. You just keep coming because you may not know you're making a difference in their life, but you're making a difference in their life. Brother Brandon, I come home and I've got, I think about those little kids leaving children's church and I think about them going home and having those, that take-home work that shows the story of Christ. And maybe they're asking their mom and dad, hey, did you ever learn about Jonah? Did you ever learn about Ruth? Did you ever learn about this? I think about those ribbons, Miss Chandra, that you gave the boys. They come home and, and it was excited to tell me, Listen, those stories, don't quit fighting because they'll change your family's life. They'll change your family's life. I thought about that first thing that we ought to fight until we ought to fight until they come. My earliest memories, my, all of my memories I'm thankful for. But how about it, sir and ma'am and young person and spouses? There's a lot of times it becomes easier just not to fight. Church, I've made up my mind this week, and I'm not perfect, but I've made up my mind for a new burden to fight until I can watch them walk in the front door of that church. I don't know if it's ever happened to you all before, but it happens to me. It's happened to me a lot here lately. People that I didn't even knew how to get here walked into the church. But there's not much better feeling, Miss Jenny, when you're in a choir loft and somebody you've invited to church walks in that door. I didn't know this coming. I had no clue this coming. I think about others, but the agent that we've, we've met, and I, I didn't even know y'all, and he walked in that door, and he's a customer of mine, and just, just, it, just, it just gives me joy. He said, man, I, I can't believe they come. I invited them. I've been to play meetings before when someone's looking out of a curtain saying, hey, listen, I invited somebody to come. I just want to see if they're here. Or at Bible school, come Friday night, Brother Kevin, and these kids come in, they're introduced. Hey, this is my mama, this is my daddy, and this is my grandma, and this is my aunt, this is my uncle. They're so excited just because they're at the house of God. Church, can I tell you tonight, we can't quit fighting until they come. I think about everything that we do. Young people don't quit fighting. Keep praying and keep begging, worrying the fire out of them, inviting them to come to church. Whether the days turn into months, whether the months turn into years, whether the years turn into decades, Brother Jamie, we will not quit fighting until they come. Not only do I think about Eleazar here as he fought till the sword was claving to his hand, I believe with all my heart he was teaching us to fight until they come, but secondly, quickly, and I also think we ought to fight until they listen. Brother Brandon, what do you mean fight until they listen? Not only should we have a desire to see families united and serving together, but there's also a world out those doors that's going to hell 200 miles an hour or faster than that. 
Say, Brother Brandon, what do you mean? I mean, ever at the popularity in this, this life, when you walk out, it's almost like being on the interstate and standing in the middle of a yellow line on the opposite direction and watching the cars come by you. And I've never been to Los Angeles, have no desire to go, but I, I've been to Florida. There on the interstate, there's 90 miles an hour, Brother Kevin, one after another, after another, after another. You stand in the middle of the road, you can wave your arms, but they're not stopping because they're going to keep going because they have no desire to stop. Brother Brandon, how long should we fight as a church? How long should we fight as a youth group? How long should we fight as adults? We ought to fight until they listen. I fuss, and I'm the world's worst, and I understand this. I fuss, I gripe, I, I condemn. I even, Brother Randy, I even judge, and I'm disgusted a lot of times at the world. It's a natural human instinct to look at somebody, Brother Kevin, and immediately be out of the spirit and immediately judge them by the way they look. I do interviews every week, and I can tell you when they come across the parking lot whether I'm going to hire them or not. You say, Brother Brandon, you shouldn't be like that. That's how we're built as humans. We ought to take care of ourselves. We ought to hold ourselves to a higher esteem. But I can tell, hey, when I hear a young man talk to his mom or if I hear him talking on the phone, I can tell, Brother Jeremy, whether I'm going to hire him or not. I can tell, Brother Allen, whether it's going to work or whether it's not going to work. You say, hey, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to do that. It's everything's equal opportunity. Let me tell you, if i got to spend every bit of my life with him at a, at a job, I want to make sure that he's got what it takes or she's got what it takes because, let me tell you, I don't, have to, I don't run a daycare. Neither do y'all. Brother Brandon, we shouldn't be like that. You're right. But we are. Every day, this person, Brother James, now somebody comes up to me and they got two little kids, and, and I can tell they're a family at Chick fil A or whatever, because everybody's saved to go to Chick fil A, right? But I, I can imagine Brother Randy, I don't have a problem going up to them and saying, hey, just like the other night we had somebody there and this little boy was getting in trouble, and I think his name was Malachi. I wouldn't mind, but the mama kept saying, Malachi, Malachi, Malachi. You'll never believe it. Christy can back me up. Their other son's name was Josiah. I said, man, these are smart people. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that, but immediately I had something in common. So I went up to him and said, hey, listen, my, we got two boys named Malachi and Josiah as well, and, and, and mine's wilder than yours, so don't worry about it. But I, I just, and it, I, there was something in common. It looked like my family. Went to a birthday party in Malachi the other day, and I never met nobody. Chrissy says I talked to anybody. I hadn't had people there, but at the end of the night, I had some new friends. If I was going to be at a kid's birthday party, I might as well talk to the dads that's there. We're all in it together. None of us wanted to be there. I'm just kidding, but but I, I began to talk to them, made friends. You know why? They were like me. Mother Matt, what about the one that, that's not like me? What about the one that I see at the Haynes Mall that looks like they fell in the tackle box? What about the ones that, that come to me and I, and I see them differently and I know that, that what our pastor is preaching on, they're against. I know that their, their lifestyle, their sodomy, I, what, I see everything they're going through. But Kevin, it's a whole lot easier for me to take my family and my boys and put them on the other side of me, walk to my car. I'm just being real. Brother Randy, though, I believe with all my heart that if I really, really believe, and I say I because I don't want to condemn anybody else, but if we really believe that hell was real and today could be the last day, we'd live a whole lot different. If I knew tonight, Brother Robbie, that it was it, tonight was it, I tell you, it wouldn't matter what they smelt like, it wouldn't matter what they looked like, it wouldn't matter what they was wearing, it wouldn't matter what they was doing. I'd do everything in my power to say, listen, you don't know me, I don't know you, but if you died lost tonight, I promise you, you're going to go to hell. And I want you to, I want you to, I want you to come to church and sit with my family on the church pew. People might look at you, but do you just look past them? Don't you worry about that, because I promise you, if you'll meet this Jesus, he'll change your life forever. Brother Brandon, how long ought we ought to fight? We ought to fight until they listen. Brother Brandon, I've talked to this person a thousand times. Well, a thousand and one ain't going to hurt me. 
Brother Brandon, I've tried to talk to this person for years, and all they do is cuss, and they, they bad mouth me, they make fun of me, and man, it'd be at work or at school, Miss Maddie, if I go over there, the ones I hang around with is going to think that I don't. I understand where A building is, B building, C building, D building, E building, but can I tell you, as a matter of fact, that the Lord returns, and Forbes High School is full, there's going to be more left there than there is going. What can we do about that? East Bend Elementary, Calvary Baptist Christian School, McNeely's, Stokes Tire, Bear Creek, Marvin's, Shady Grove, wherever we work, whatever we do, the state, you know they're lost. We need to pray for them. No, I'm just kidding. What else, what else can we do? Don't quit fighting until they listen. Brother Brandon, they're going, I'm going to get on their nerves. Get on their nerves. Young people, Eliezer fought, Brother Matt, until the sword clave to his hand. If I could encourage you tonight, don't fight until they don't quit. Don't quit fighting. Fight until they come. Fight until they listen. How more urgent I, I come up here, and there's sometimes I get up here and I feel like, and sometimes I know that it is. I can't get up here every time I preach unless God anoints it and preach hellfire and brimstone because that's not how you preach. I don't get to pick the message. I don't go to the hardest text. I don't miss Christie. She believes in me so much. She said, anybody going to get mad at you tonight? And I said, I hope not. I said, I hope this is a good one, a, a, a nice one. But I can't do that. But can I tell you this? If I knew tonight was the last message I was going to preach, There'd be a total different level of intensity in my message. If I knew tonight and I could see and God put a red X on somebody's head that was going to leave out of here and not make it home, I'd preach right in your lap. Brother Brandon, you can't do that. I love you enough, I'd try. Our pastor would love you enough, I'd try. And the sad reality is we don't know when that day's going to come. So if he's preaching on something in my life, I'd be preaching on something that I need help with. I don't have a service to get mad and bitter. I don't have a service to say, I'm not going to listen. I'll get it right later. I need to do it right now. Don't quit fighting until they come. Don't quit fighting until they listen. I tell you, thirdly, quickly, listen. Speaking here of Eleazar and fighting until it claved to his hand, we can't quit fighting until they're full. Brother Brandon, what do you mean by they're full? I tell you, the greatest Sunday morning that our church will ever have is when our pastor stands here and he sees no burgundy. Every seat's full. We ought to fight, Brother Mike, until they're full. Let me give you an example. Now, I know tonight's Wednesday night, and you're all the ones that want to be here, so I see burgundy. So don't, this side's doing better than this side. There's not much burgundy in this side. But every Sunday morning, one, two, three, four, right here. I don't remember when I started sitting here, and this ain't got my name on it. It probably got some cheese crumbs or my kids' stains or snot right here, but my name's not on this pew. But this spot right here, Miss Penny, is special to me. I know you said it at Sunday, so you ought to feel privileged. But I, this spot right here, since this one was six months old, is where my family sits every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning. That's my spot. You say, Brother Brandon, you're going to get mad, and I'm telling you this. The greatest Sunday of my life is when, Brother Travis, I have to get up and give somebody else my seat and say, listen, if you knew what God did for my family in this seat, you'd want to sit here too. Every Sunday morning, Brother Allen, for years and years and years, for 10 years, for, for I don't know how long he's been saved, my mind's going blank tonight, but for, say, six or seven years, Malachi sit there and he's heard that man of God preach the gospel over and over from playing with cars on the floor to getting up to playing with cars on the seat to getting up to coloring to finally being able to take his Bible and look. That's a special spot. We left here one Wednesday night. I don't know if we were in here or not, but I was on my way to do something with Chosen. My wife called, and she said, you got to come home. Malachi's asking questions. He was under conviction at teen camp. 
I could have led him to the Lord down there, but it wouldn't have been right. Man, that place would have come unglued that night had he accepted Christ, but he wasn't ready. But that night he knelt beside my bed, and I said, do you know you're lost? He said, I know I'm lost. I said, do you know you need the Lord as your Savior? He said, I know I need the Lord as my Savior. It's because that spot right there, we can't fight until they're full, Brother Matt. We can't quit fighting until they're full. Somebody's family needs the seat you're sitting in tonight. Man, I'll sit up here. I'll sit up here. I'll sit up here. I'll sit back there. We'll sit out there. Say, Brother Brandon, how come God don't give us something else? How come we don't get more land? Maybe God's just asking us when, when we're going to fight long enough to fill up the pews that we got. Then God will take care of the rest. How do you know that, Brother Brandon? I promise you this. I've never, ever put God to the test that he's failed. We ought to fight until they're full. How many family members we have and how many church members we have that need to be here every Sunday? You say, Brother Brandon, they don't, they don't come and they don't. Well, how about you ask them, listen, that's, that's my go-to. If I got somebody at work that says, I'd come to your church, but I don't know nobody, I simply say, please sit with my family. I'll get a chair and sit on the side of the aisle. I've done it before here on a Sunday morning. I remember very vividly one of my friends came and his family had the whole pew full. I'll sit in a chair. I'll sit Indian style. I'll sit in the choir loft. I'll stand in the back. I'll get up in the crow's nest, the sniper's nest, whatever you want to call it. I'll sit wherever I need to sit to see that church pew full. Eleazar fought with Alan until he couldn't lift his hand off the sword. and He fought until they were full. There's a special spot right there. It's changed my life forever for the past 10 years. I don't know what the next 10 years hold, Brother Kevin. If I'm still here, I hope that's my spot. But if it's not, and I'm gone and long gone out of the picture, I want to be able to bring him back. So you remember sitting right here. And this church is full, and I come by some family. Maybe I come back here in 40 years and preach or whatever, and I may still be here, but whatever it, whatever it is, I say, listen, you don't know me, but I used to sit right here, and God changed my life. He gave me a youth group. He done wonderful things. In this church pew. And they're probably looking around saying, man, I thought it was just a seat. But it ain't just a seat. This is a special place. We ought to fight until they're full quickly in the night. Listen, we ought to fight thirdly until they're full. Brother Agent, we ought to fight until they get it. This is why I wanted our teachers in here tonight. Because I can tell you, and I don't mean anything ugly against them or them. But I know sometimes it gets hard. And I know sometimes it gets long. I know sometimes you don't want to drive the van. I know sometimes that you teach and, and they ain't listening. I can I be honest with you, half time they ain't listening. But sometimes they are listening. How long, how long did Brother Eleazar fight? How long did he fight? He fought, Brother DJ, until he couldn't let go of the sword, but he fought. I believe with all my heart he's teaching us to fight until they get it. Teachers, van drivers, cookers, Brother Mike, trash takers. That's a real joyous job to pick up a trash bag, Brother Mike, and those juices that ain't Kool-Aid flowing out of that trash bag, walking out the back of your truck and having to wash it. That's a real joyous job. But I thank you for doing it. Amen. I thank you for doing it. Brother Jamie, you, if anybody's going to get sick, it's going to be you. You shake everybody's hand before they come in the door, but I thank you for doing it. You're sitting up here tonight, not sitting with your family. Some of your families have to separate on Sundays to sit with kids. I thank you for doing it. Brother Brandon, what's that got to do with anything? I'm just encouraging you tonight and challenging you. Don't quit fighting until they get it. One day they're going to get it. One day it'll all be worth it. I wrote down in all caps in my notes in my Bible, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Do you remember when they finally got it? When it finally clicked? I teach our young people often at Winter Challenge that we go down there, we want salvation. I'm not, I'm not going to be around the bush, Brother Kevin. We want 
salvation. We want people to get saved at the Winter Challenge. Brother Evan, that's why we do it. I don't do it for a number. I don't do it for popularity. We don't do it just to boost our church name. We go down there so lost people can, can find salvation and escape hell forever, and that's why we do it. But we take a lot of kids down there that's already saved. What do they do when you go to camp? Do you just sit there and say, well, I'm already, I've already got it. I've already got it. I'm just going to sit here, and when, when they go to the altar, I'll go pray with them. I'm, I've already got it. I'm already full. I'm already everything. That's not at all correct, because every year I go down there, I need something. Every year I go to camp. We leave for camp just a few weeks. I need something. There's 16 going this year, and all the children that's going outside of mine have never been to this camp. Many of you that's been here before, but Carson has molded our youth group. I wanted to do the same, Miss Maddie, for those going this year. I want God to do something on Amen Drive in Georgia. I want him to do something. But Brother, Brother Kevin, we're going to have to fight until they get it. Brother Allen, I ain't always got it. It was later in my teenage life, Brother Robbie, when I was living the way I shouldn't have been living, having friends I shouldn't have had. I left Glory Light Baptist Church one night. My wife was there, and we were, I was running from the Lord. I wasn't dating her. I was battling. I remember working at Unify. If y'all work at Unified, God bless you, but 7 to 7 ain't for me. I wasn't doing that no more ever in my life, eating breakfast. at eight, I don't know what I was eating at 1 o'clock in the morning. I was looking for a box of yarn to lay down in is all I know. But when I was tired, she'd stay up 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, Brother Dalton takes me back and forth, and we wasn't dating. But, man, I was battling. I was battling not being with her. I was battling. Where is she at? I was battling not being with her. She ain't on her pew. But I, I was battling not being with her. I was battling running from the Lord, about dealing with preaching. Man, I was miserable. They was miserable. There was days that, that I don't use the word hate in our house, but there was days, Brother Kevin, I thought I hated my dad. I hated the ministry. I hated church. I didn't want anything to do with it. I was tired of the microscope. But it broke down one night at Glory Light Baptist Church. I remember calling Brother Allen when I left, and I, I saw it was. I said, I'm sorry for not being sold out when I was in your youth group. I'm sorry. He didn't know what I meant, but I had to tell him, I'm sorry. I got it that night. That's when church became the center of my life. I love doing everything else, Gage, around my life. But that night, church became the center of my life. And I've never regretted it. I go on vacations. We chase a dumb mouse in Florida about every year. God's blessed me with a home. He's blessed me with a position here. He's blessed me with a job. But all that goes away. Church is still in the middle of my life. I want him to know that. I want that little one to know that. Say, Brother Brandon, I, I just don't see that they're ever going to get it. They're going to get it. And when they get it, they'll start dating in the church. They'll start bringing their spouses. Some of them will leave. Some of them will stay. Some of them will marry out. Some of them will marry in. But they'll start teaching. They'll start serving. And all this church, by the way, and all the investment and all the money and all the time, you'll get to see it working. But if we quit fighting, Brother Randy, until they get it, they're never going to get it. Brother Brandon, they ain't worth it. Brother Brandon, they make a mess. Brother Brandon, every time we do something, we've got to fix something. Brother Brandon, they draw dots back there on the bathroom stall and connect the dots on the lady's skirt. I don't know who did that, but don't do that again. On the door back there at the bathroom. They do this, the toilet stopped up. They lock the stalls in the gym and climb out from underneath them so I can't get in. Why in the world do you do that? But whatever, you, 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 they do all of this. Brother Brandon, it just ain't worth it. Next week at Bible school, man, if you say, I don't do well with a lot of kids, you better stay at home next week because I'm hoping this place is full. You say, Brother Brandon, it's, it's an inconvenience. 
Can I tell you, it was also inconvenience that day Eleazar stood in the middle of that field. He said, listen, I'm fighting for my life. I'm fighting for David's life. And I'm just not willing to quit fighting until they get it. Can I encourage our teachers, when you feel like you're tired, don't quit until they get it. Can I tell you, our teacher, when you said, Brother Brandon, I'm aggravated and they don't listen. It seems like my week rolls around and rolls around and rolls around and rolls around. It seems like it's every, every Wednesday is my night to teach. Don't quit till they get it. Church, you say, Brother Brandon, it's like we're just here on Sunday morning, then we're here on Sunday night, and then by, by, by all of my, our pastor plans an unscheduled revival meeting, and i got to come Monday and Tuesday. My grass looks like an alfalfa field, and i got to be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Don't quit fighting until they get it, because they're going to get it. And when they get it, it'll change your life. Our pastor's testimony is coming to Bible school at this church. I don't know who his teacher was. Could have been Miss Linda. Could have been Miss Nina. I don't know. But somebody invested in Brother Brian's life, and he probably had deserved to have his head pinched off Brother Mike just like I do. But now he's the pastor of this church. What would have happened if there had been no Bible school? The one coming next week that's going to be running everywhere and mud on his shoes and smells like you've been in a pond all day. Ain't took a bath. He don't have no clue what right guard is. His right guard's turned left. All that's going to come. I'm just preparing you. But I wonder if I'll just see something in Brother Travis. And I say, you know what? I'm going to grip down. Because one day he's going to get it. Nikki, one day they're going to get it. One day they're going to get it. And then I can look back and say, man, I I did that. We did that. I was the youth pastor when that happened. That ain't what it's for, Brother James. It's when God gets a hold of their life, we see them start dragging their own kids. We see them start coming to church and smiling. Man, that my heart wonderful. When Mia walked in Sunday morning, I think it's Mia, Bree, I don't know who they are, but she was here Sunday morning. I just call them, hey, you. I still don't know which one's which. I ain't seen her since before COVID. She walked in that door, Brother Travis, done something for my heart. Done something for my heart. Brother Devin calling me when I taught Sunday school for you. He said, hey, will you FaceTime me on your phone? So I can watch Sunday school from work. It does something for me. They get it. When they get it, you can finally stop fighting. But until they do, we ought to keep fighting. Brother Brandon, we ought to fight until what? We ought to fight, number four, until they get it. Number five, I think this is it. It is. Church, we ought to fight tonight till they make it. Brother Brandon, you say, well, that's a lot with getting it. Well, listen to what I'm saying. There's nothing like seeing a loved one succeed. We were talking the other night about something, and Brother Allen made a comment. He said, just wait till they move out. He said, Miss Kaylin's gone, and she's with Jesse, and Jesse's trying to train her and pray for them. And Kylie, Lord help you. But it's, it's coming in just a few weeks. He made that statement. I think i got a 10-year-old already, and i got a 4-year-old, or however old Josiah is. He has like he's 19, but there's nothing like seeing him. I still got the video shaved on my phone with the first time I was sitting on my steps at my house. And Josiah came waddling across the living room floor like a penguin. And he crashed a lot, but he made it all the way to the steps. Miss Christie in the background saying, did you see how far he made it? When he got to me, I don't know what he said, but it was the greatest thing in the world he ever said to me. I think he said daddy, or he could have said poop. I don't know what he said. But either way, he said something. Man, it melted my heart. I'd have bought him a Lamborghini right there if I'd had the money to buy it. But there's nothing like seeing that, Miss Savannah. And that's coming for some of you. Nothing like seeing someone succeed. I think about the days and one of my favorite pictures. I don't know what pumpkin day is, but I got a Stokes Tire uniform on. I'm sitting outside on a hay bale at Calvary Christian School. Malachi's beside me. He's grinning like crazy because his dad came to pumpkin day. He said, you should be so sentimental. It it is a big deal to me. 
There's something about seeing someone you love, Brother Allen, achieve something. See them take their first step, their first word, graduation. I sit there as a billion people had their name called, just so I could hear P.D. Doby's name called at the Coliseum. No drinks, no snacks, no concession stands, just a billion people with a lot of weird names so that I could shout for Dallas Doby. I really went because I didn't think you'd make it. I'm just kidding, but I was excited to be there. And I'll be excited to watch your kids as well. See them get their career. See them go off to get training to become a HVAC or to go off to be an airplane pilot or whatever uh, Peyton was going to do. I ain't flying with him. But whatever he's going to do, to see them to go off and do other things, that's amazing to see. Man, I never thought that they would make it, but they did. For many of those and for many of these before me, we're the only one, listen to me, we're the only one that's ever going to believe in them in their life. We're the only one that's ever going to believe in them. Brother Brandon, why can't we quit fighting? I can't quit fighting until I see them make it. I want to see them make it. Man, I want to see them, Brother Kevin, get a career, get a job, make something of their self, get out of the mess that they're in that's not their own doing, that's not their own creating. And it may be this side of the church, this side of the church. Let me tell you, it's not just all up here. It's not just over here. It's back there. It's everywhere. People that we see every day that's living in a mess that they did not create, but all it takes is one decision, somebody believing in them, Brother Robbie, to get them out of the mess that they're in. They can get out. For many busted families that walk in this church, and I'm closing, for many busted families that walk in this special place were their last hope. For many tarnished testimonies were the only place of restoration. What would it be, Brother Wayne? Brother Wayne's not here tonight, but I think about our van ministry and kids that's come and, and that, that just sense such a, a relief when they get here. They come into this place and they know that nobody's going to hurt them. They know that nobody's going not, 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 not to be ugly to them. They just come here because they love coming and being loved. We think, Brother Travis, they're coming just because they want to hang out with each other, and that may be the right choice, and that may be the right case. We think they're just coming because it's somewhere cool to come during the summer. But what if you really, really could see inside their heart and realize they come, because this is the only place, Malachi, where somebody actually believes in them, and they hear, the say, they hear somebody say a four-letter word that starts with L-O-V-E. I tell him every night before he goes to bed, I love him. Benicky, I don't get to tell you as much that I love you too. I love you too. I love you too. I love you too. I love everyone in here. And I'm not, you know, I ain't been on a Hallmark, Hallmark movie today. God's just got my heart in a vice. Because I don't want to quit fighting until every one of these things takes place. But Brother Evan, I'd say I'd quit when this group makes it. But guess what's coming after them? Another group. I have two. I have a billion group chats in my phone. But I got two. One says youth group. And that's everybody in it. If you're under 40, you're probably in that group on my phone. You may be some of you over 40. I don't know. We don't do too good at deleting. But I've also got another group that they name is Maddie. I think she picked it out. She started it. It says Youth Group 2.0. That's the new group. That's the group that's never been to camp. That's the group that looks up and says, I hear all the things they did, and now I want to be involved in it. That's the group that hears your horror stories, Savannah, Miss Caitlin, Carson, Kylie. I say, listen, let me tell you what they did. And they're like, did they go to jail? And I said, no, they didn't go to jail. We didn't get caught, but they did it. <laughs> you know what's going to come next? Miss Maddie, you're going to be in college. You already are in college. Peyton, they're going to grow up, and there's going to be a youth group 3.0, and there's going to be a 4.0. You say, Brother Brandon, you said we quit fighting when they make it. Well, in this category, we can't ever quit fighting because they're all going to need to make it. I got little ones coming up, Brother Randy, that need to make it. 
Whether I'm the youth pastor or not, somebody's got to tell Josiah about the Lord. Somebody's got to tell him about Jonah. Somebody's got to tell him about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He listens. He ain't got it quite figured out. Miss Kaylin, is she here tonight? Back there when we was learning about the Calvary and the crucifixion, he came home that night and he said, Jesus is on the cross. Malachi said, well, he got up. He said, uh-uh, we left class. He was still on the cross. <laughs> I, th- I hope she finished the lesson. But that night, he said, he come back home one night, Brother Allen. He said, it's something about the, who healed somebody. And he said, no, it wasn't, it wasn't David. He was over talking in that burning bush. And I said, I, I don't know what version she's in, but there's a bush, but it didn't have nothing to do with David. But uh, he said, is he getting? He's starting to get it. And eventually, Miss Kaylin, he's going to go back and he's going to say, you know what? Miss Kaylin talked about that man that was on the cross. And I pre- I preacher preached about that man that's on the cross. I go to church and everybody talks about that man that was on the cross. Come to the Easter play, and man, there's a guy on the cross and looks a lot like my dad. And then he gets to come up, and then my brother looks like an angel because he ain't one, but he gets to play an angel in the play. And eventually, I don't know if it's going to be an Easter play, a youth meeting, or a Sunday morning on that pew, I'm going to get to see him walk down the aisle give his heart to Christ. Brother Brandon, it's a lot about being a mighty man of David, and I could preach out of 2 Samuel 23. I think right now the way that I feel about it, Brother Evan, I could preach out of it for a year. Why is it so special to you? I want to be a mighty man of God. But verse number 9 and verse number 10 tonight has taught me, Brother Adrian, that I can't quit fighting until. Until what, Brother Brandon? Can't quit fighting until. Church, can I beg you tonight, and I know who I'm talking to tonight, but just keep fighting. Eleazar fought until his sword. Miss Savannah, you can make your way up if you don't mind. Eleazar fought until his sword was claving to his hand. Brother Jamie, I can imagine that night, and it's just it's been burning my hand all day long. I even today at work, squeezing a pen, just thinking about this message tonight when I got here. I was excited to make sure this thing was here, and I thought that it was here. But I can imagine him that day just sitting there squeezing it with all intensity, not even realizing that it was becoming part of his hand till the, till the bones, till his, till his muscles went numb into here. I mean, just literally gripping it. The Bible says that it claved to his hands. I mean, when he opened his hand, that thing was so dug into him. It could have had blood around it. It could have had blisters. It could have, I don't know how far it was in there. But this mighty man of David taught me this week as I sit there on Monday night and was writing my Bible as fast as God would give it to me. Brother Evan, that there's sometimes I need to find a good spot, wrap my hand around it, and not let go. Brother Brandon, how long are we going to fight? Well, we're going to fight tonight until they come. Until every family is restored, until every family comes, we're going to fight until they listen. We're going to fight until the church pews are full. We're going to fight until they get it. We're going to fight until they make it. Second Samuel 23 says, These be the names of the mighty man David had. I wonder tonight if we had a church, and we don't do this, and I'm not, I'm not saying we should. But 40 years from now, when this church, or 50 years from now, Brother Wayne, back then, what if there was a sign outside? It said, these are the mighty men, and these are the mighty women that helped build Faith Community Baptist Church. Youth group photos line the halls, youth meeting banners everywhere back there. I got a fence. I almost brought it out here tonight. This sign with over 100 young people's names, and it simply said, these be the mighty men, these be the mighty women, Brother Travis, that made a decision to serve God with all their heart. I wonder tonight if we stand with head bowed and eyes closed, say, Brother Brandon, I just don't get it. Well, I prayed, and I beg God that you would get it tonight the way God gave it to me. But I, could I encourage you tonight as a church? Say, Brother Brandon, what can I do to help? What can I do to help the youth group? What can I do to help our church? Can I tell you tonight, don't quit fighting until they get it. 
Don't quit fighting till they come. Don't quit fighting till they listen. Don't quit fighting till they're full. Don't quit fighting till they get it. Don't quit fighting till they make it. Somebody done it for you. Brother George, somebody did it for me. And I'm bound and determined that God has refired this burden in my heart this week that I'm going to do it for somebody else. I will not quit fighting. I will not let go until I see God do something in their life. Miss Savannah's playing. We're praying. You mind the Lord tonight. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men 
whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, you believe Jesus died for your sins and if you asked him to save you then the Bible declares you've been saved if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior then you've been forgiven of all your sin Romans 8 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit once a person has been saved they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.